This is the Millennial Movement Podcast, delivering you the most exclusive insights from the top entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. Hosted by business owner and influencer, Ricky Wynn. Now on to the show. Yo, 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 what's up, guys? You're now tuning into the Millennial Movement Podcast, starring your host, Ricky Wynn. Today, we have a special guest on the show, CEO of Kingston Lane, entrepreneur, Sharon Shravatsa. How are you today? Ricky, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm sorry about my voice. You know, if it does sound a little bit cracky, I just came back on vacation. Uh, this is my second day back, so I've lost my voice a little bit, so hopefully we're able to work with it. Of course, no problem. <laughs> awesome. So, so to open up to the show, um, Sharon, can you tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you do, or currently are doing it at the moment? Yeah, definitely. So um, I run, I currently run a technology company called Kingston Lane. We are a marketing, sales and marketing execution platform, technology platform for the real estate industry. And so our job is to give uh, technology tools uh, and services to real estate agents around the world for them to, uh, to build and grow their real estate businesses. If you, if you think about it, Real estate is kind of the, the fastest, easiest access vehicle for an entrepreneur's dream. If you're a listener listening to Ricky's show right now, I will tell you this. There is no reason you should not go out there and just get your real estate license. I'm not asking you to sell real estate. I'm not asking you to work real estate. I'm not asking you to do real estate. I'm not asking you to do anything. You should just go out and get a real estate license because Ricky, very few people know this. And I know you know this because you're a very savvy entrepreneur. Having a real estate license is really powerful, especially in the United States, because there's this concept of referral fees. So mm-hmm. if you are a real estate agent and a licensed real estate agent, and one of your friends wants to buy a home in San Francisco, and you refer them to an agent in San Francisco, you can get paid just for making a referral. Wow. And just that is great passive income, an easy way for us to keep our minds open and generate some income. So. That I am so my I am the uh, so I am the CEO of Kingston Lane, which is a platform that does that. A quick background: I ran and I built and sold a technology company, and I also grew a big real estate company. We grew it 10x in five years. We grew to close to 3.6 billion dollars with a B, six billion dollars in revenues, and we were acquired, were bought by a bigger public company last year, at the end of last year. So I've seen small companies, I've seen big companies, I've seen young folks, I've seen older folks. But my advice to the audience, if you listen to nothing else, and if you just drop off the show right now, you should go get your real estate license. <laughs> That's awesome. So before we kind of continue about, you know, 10X in your business, um, so, you know, going through the real estate process, you know, how long does it usually take someone to get their real estate license and why? What is, you know, your, your most definite reason to someone to go get their real estate license? Because I know in this world of economy, um, Grant Cardone says it all the time, you know, real estate is one of the biggest growing industry. Is that your kind of reasoning? Yeah, definitely. Right. So there. So let's talk about timing first. So okay. logistically, every state, uh, specifically in the United States, every state has uh, different timelines. Mm-hmm. So on average, you have to the, the process takes longer, but you don't really have to. You're not involved in the entire process. You could actually go, you know, in the state of California, you could go to weekend school, which is essentially you go to a crash course mm-hmm. for two days and you can go. I'll study all day Sunday, study all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then go take your test on Monday. You could totally do that. Wow. But there's some prerequisites on, you know, you may have to do some online classes, et cetera. But you should, in most states, you should be able to get your license from a time period of waiting to get it in three to four weeks. Three to four weeks? Uh, 
Yeah, but you only, and you only need to take one exam. So mm-hmm. one exam, and then you have to wait for a while to take some online classes, etc. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's not complex. You just have to put in some time. Uh, Ricky, you asked the second question. The second question is where everything is. It gets very exciting. So here, let me tell you about the second question as to why someone should get it. So if if let's say there was let's say Ricky, you had a you had your real estate license, and I, I'm your friend, and I'm going to buy a home, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you refer me. You you don't do anything. You just say, hey, Sharon, you want to buy a home in Santa Barbara, California? I'm going to go find an agent in Santa Barbara that can work with you. So you go online, you find an agent in Santa Barbara, and you and you introduce me to that agent. Mm-hmm. Now let's just say, at the end of the transaction, that agent gets a ten thousand dollar commission check, right? That's yeah. you know, let's just say an agent does that. If an agent gets a $10,000 commission check, that agent will pay you, Ricky, will pay you $2,500, 25%, $2,500 for doing nothing except making the introduction. Just, just a referral, just referring them to the agent. Right up. There is wow. no other business in the United States that pays 25% referral fees for doing no work. That's amazing. So if, even, if, even if you just, you know, uh, referred one or two deals a year... That, I mean, that's a car, you know, you pay for your car, man. Yeah, you're still making extra money inside, which is amazing. So Yeah, th- without, doing, without doing any work. Yeah, like, without doing anything, just without, referring without people. Yeah, that's, I, I never really understood the concept and like, until you just told me. I didn't know that uh, real estate, they offer like a referral program like that. So to me, that's actually really new that you taught me. And that, to my mind, it's like incredible that, you know, you're able to do that. Yeah, and, and by the way, and the funny part is you don't have to negotiate it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not something you have to... It's how difficult to ask for any. It's it's a standard industry practice. Mm-hmm. So you can just say, "Hey, Sharon, I know you're an agent in Santa Barbara. I want to refer you a client. I'm assuming you're you're good with the standard 25% referral fee. I'll say yes. I send you a document. You sign it. I sign it. We're done. And the transaction closes. I write your check. And that's it. Wow. So you know, you you said you grow your uh, you 10x your business in five years. Into you said your numbers. Um, at first, it was doing around three hundred million. Then, within the five years, you did it to three point six billion. You know, how are you able to to ten x in such a short period of time? You know, really good question. So, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give everybody something here to listen to. It, it, it's everyone talks about. Hey, I want to grow my business ten percent, or I want to grow my business twenty five percent. I want to grow my business fifty percent. Very brave, aspirational people will say, "I want to double my business." I want to tell you this: it's all in your mind. And I will actually tell you that 10x is actually easier than 2x. If you just want to double your business, you may you may go. Let's say you let's say uh, one of your listeners is making hundred thousand dollars a year in their business, like selling sneakers. I know you like sneakers, mm-hmm. right? Selling sneakers and making hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, if I told them, hey, go double your business, they would say, okay, how can I get more? Uh, how can I do a few more sales? How can I do some few more promotions? How can I do some online social media? And then you will get to two hundred thousand. Like you will, you will double it. Mm-hmm. But if I told you take your hundred thousand dollar business and make it a million dollars, you have to completely change the way you think about your business. Of and course. What I'm suggesting is ten x is actually easier than two x. Two x is harder. Like you have to be, you have to work hard for two x. But ten x, you're just thinking, all right, what new business model can I come up with? What systems do I need to put in place? You're thinking about it from a scale perspective, and that's when things got getting interesting because now, I'll tell you this, Ricky, and you're going to laugh at me. Now, if I am working in a new business, mm-hmm. I don't want to 2X it anymore. I, I, I have the 10X bug, right? I've done <laughs> yeah. a 10X before. I know it's possible, so I want to do another 10X, of if course. that makes sense, right? Yeah. So it's shattered the glass ceiling of I can only grow 10% or go 20%. I've done the 10X. Now I believe I can do so much more. So I want to give everybody that's listening just the belief that if I 
I didn't have a lot of skills. I came to the con- I came to this country when I was I was born in India. I came to this country as an immigrant. I ate out of dumpsters. I didn't have a lot of money, and I was able to grow a business 10x. I had, and if I can do that, you can do it too. Of course. So you say when you 10x and is actually better than uh, is actually easier than you know 2x in your business. Is it more like thinking long term, like how can I create it as like a better opportunity, like in the future rather than the short term? Is that how you kind of think of the process? Yeah, good question. So let me let, let me break it down for you, right? So um, my, our goal was, you know, we were roughly doing three hundred million dollars uh, in top line revenue in our real estate business, and I was thinking about it, and I said, okay, how do I make this something where everybody can get very excited about? It? And so the process was this, Ricky. I realized that if we hit a three point two billion dollar number, everybody's going to make a lot of money. Everyone's going to be happy. Who can run a great business? And so I said, all right, how do I get to that? And for us, big goals seem to scare people, right? And mm-hmm. and I call this, and I'll tell you this: I guarantee you, someone that is listening right now, the listener right now, there's you have very ambitious listeners. The greatest part about I love the millennial generation. I hire many of them. The greatest part about millennials is they have great big goals and ambitions. Yes. But I'll tell you this: here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is big goal, no plan. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. Big goal, no plan. So anytime you have a big goal. If it's not backed up by a plan, then it gets can't very be accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for us, anytime, so I'll, I'll ask you this, right? So you you've heard a big goal, so let's so let me tell you about my three point two billion dollar goal. I had a three point two billion dollar goal, and I was like, I need to do three point two billion dollars, and I have to do it in five years because we our markets going up roughly seven year cycles. Mm-hmm. So if I did it in five years, I'd have two years to actually figure out how to sell the business and 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 you know and transition. So I need to do this in five years. So I had I had a new goal. I had a big goal, three point two billion in five years. Now I just said, okay, how do I actually break it down? So every year I had to grow, right? Not just double. I had to grow significantly every year. So I just said, hey, if I have to, three point two billion is my goal. What is it yearly? Okay, well, what is it monthly? Okay, well, what is it weekly? Okay, what is it daily? Well, daily I need to sell close to five. To seven million dollars worth of real estate every single day, so that we can try to hit that big goal. Mm-hmm. So now we had a daily plan, and now you're thinking, okay, I have a daily plan. It's not about the three point two billion dollar number anymore. It's about this five. To, now I've got a daily goal. How do I sell that? Now I'm saying, I tell my team, hey, we have six hundred people, and each of them need to be having actively. They need to be having thirty, forty, fifty conversations a week. Mm-hmm. Let them actually do this prospecting so that we can close. Five to ten million dollars worth of real estate every single day. If you take a big goal and you break it down, that's the plan, right? When you can get excited about the plan, Ricky, that's when everything starts to happen. Yeah, I love how you broke it down. You also said that you know, uh, especially like millennials, that we have big goals, uh, big ambition, but no plan. But you kind of broke it down to you said your five year cycle. So because the market comes around uh, every seven years, so you have to have two years of time just to think about selling the business. But your five years, you kind of created a daily plan and a daily goal. Every day to set in motion to uh, to achieve that three point two billion dollars, right? Exactly, exactly yeah. right. And so you're what you're tracking. You're, you you hit the nail on the head. What you're tracking is not three point two billion. What you're mm-hmm. tracking is did I do ten million today? Yeah. And and I'm not even tracking ten million. What I'm tracking is how many. Like we tell our salespeople, if you can have forty conversations about about a about real estate, you will sell one home. That's what we have found out. If you can have, if I can talk to forty people that actively want to buy or sell a home, I end up doing one deal. So I tell my salespeople, "Hey, today all you're focused on is to have. If you want to sell a home this week, 
and you have five days this week, you could take one day off. So you have four days this week left. You have to have 10 conversations a day. If you have 40 conversations that day, this, this week, you will sell one house, statistically speaking. So I always tell my salespeople, great. You know you have to have 10 conversations today. Don't go home without having 10 conversations. Mm-hmm. Now it's not about the 3.2 billion. It's just about having the conversations, active yeah. conversations. Of course. And that's amazing. So can I, like, can I ask, you know, why and was it like something that, was it something like so important to you that you, you know, you want to decide to say, okay, I'm going to 10x my company in, you know, five years or was it a process? Oh, great question. So you're, you're asking, Hey, why this, why this $3.2 billion yeah. number, right? Yes. So yeah, very good. So based on how the company was structured, based on the marketplace, based on the profitability, based on the partners involved and the shareholders for, I had actually left, I was an, I was an investment banker on wall street at Goldman Sachs. Okay. I had actually left my job on wall street to come and be in, you know, to, to run this, you know, to take over and run this business. I realized that for it to get exciting for me, Ricky, I left a very lucrative career and I wanted to, if I was going to work my face off and build a great company, I wanted to get a great payout at the end, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I realized that I wanted a number that would work for everybody and I wanted a gold number that would make everybody happy, have their jobs, wealthy and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So. That number ended up, it just so happened that number ended up being 3.2 and we did more than that. So it was more like I found the number that worked. I found the number that worked for everybody. I found the number that would give, make it exciting for me personally and my partners. Mm -hmm. And then we used that number as the anchor and we kept thinking about that number over and over again. That's incredible. So can I ask, you say you were born as an immigrant. You came from India. How, How did you come to America at a young age? Okay, so great question. I'll tell you a couple of stories. I think you'll really appreciate this. So my, I was born in India. Those, for those folks that don't know, based on where you're listening from, it is, India is a very different country, meaning uh, you have to be very intelligent. You have to be very well connected. And, you know, I was like a B-plus student. I was not an, you know, an A student. Mm-hmm. And in India, if you're not an A-plus student, you're not, getting into, you're not even getting into college. Really? And so my dad looked at me one day and he said to me, he's like, hey, Let's be very real, Sharon. This is going to be pretty hard for you. Mm-hmm. He goes, I need to find a way. He's like, you seem talented. You seem like you have the entrepreneurial spirit. You seem you're a hardworking kid. I just need to get you a better life outside of this country. But he said, you can't leave because you don't have any skills. And he said, we need to build your skills. And I said, well, what does that mean? And this was me, like a nine, 10-year-old kid, uh-huh. having this conversation with my father. My father said, hey, you're not musically talented, so that doesn't work. You're not, uh, academics is not going to work. You're not an artist. That's not going to work. He goes, what about sports? And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, we were sitting in front of two tennis courts. My dad said to me, what if we, what if you spent all your time learning to be, get really good at tennis? Don't focus on anything else. And tennis becomes your, you know, your ticket, your passport, your, your, your excitement out of this country. And Ricky, that was the day I put everything aside Mm -hmm. and just focused on getting better, being a decent tennis player. I just, all I did was work. I woke up in the morning and trained i went to school i came back and i practiced i did it i did whatever it took my 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 academics took a back seat mm-hmm. i was still a b b plus student but i knew i was never going to be great at it and i just wanted to get good enough at tennis to get out of the country so that i could go you know play college tennis or something mm-hmm. in the u.s and so that was the entire entire kind of entire idea i i did i did decently well good enough to leave india good enough to you know come to the u.s to play on to play tennis but I'll tell you a story that, that happened my first week of uh, school. And I think your listener and you will appreciate this. So my parents were not very wealthy. So what they did was once I got 
once I got into school in the U.S., college, they, um, my parents sold everything that they owned. They owned. They sold their house. They sold their business. They sold everything. They didn't, they didn't have, they, my, my dad sold his car. He sold everything. Wow. And they moved into a small apartment and they said, hey, go live your life. And they handed me a check. And the check was for one year of all my expenses, right? And some people, this is not a, you know, hey, I came here with nothing story. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is my dad handed me a check yeah. for one full year, like my flights, my, my first year, my freshman year of college, my room, my board, uh, like everything. He handed me a check for one year and he said to me, hey, years two, three, and four, you're on your own. And I was pretty excited. So I came to the States and um, you know, I went to college. Uh, I, was, I was there a couple of weeks early. And here's where it gets interesting. I went, in, I went, to, and went to financial services department in, in, my, in my college in Iowa and I handed them my check. And they said, great, Sharon, thank you. Welcome, you know, welcome. Here are your keys to your dorm room. And your check, because it's an international check from India, is going to take about two weeks to clear, mm-hmm. you know, because this was in in uh, in the late 90s. And so I said, okay, that's cool. But then I realized that I had no money. I had no money for food. I had no money for water. I had no, mo- I had zero money. But I knew that in two weeks I would have some money. But I had a place to live, right? I had a dorm room, but I had no money. And Ricky, this is what happened. I had, you know, I couldn't get a job because I was, you know, I I just come from India. I, I tried to get a job uh, loading and unloading in the dock and things like that, but no one would hire me for cash because I didn't have authorization to work in the United States at that time. And so one night after being two days of no food, I was really hungry. And I saw these, you know, these two guys throw two big boxes of two pizza boxes inside a dumpster. And I was hungry. I mean, for two days and I was like, you know what? I'll just wait till it gets darker. And I was really embarrassed. And I jumped in this dumpster, grabbed these boxes of pizza. They had like three or four slices left. I ran back to my dorm room. I, you know, I, I ate a slice of pizza. I waited and I ate us another slice. I actually, I had two slices of pizza, like four slices, four or five slices of pizza last me two, three days. Mm, wow. Then <laughs> I, had, I was still hungry. So the next day I go back and I see this guy, uh, these two guys drop two big Subway sandwiches into the dumpster. And it was in the afternoon. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait till the evening because I was really embarrassed that I don't want to see anyone seeing me jump in the dumpster. But Ricky, this is where it gets interesting. So nightfall comes along. I jump in the dumpster. I grab these two Subway sandwich bags. I also see a box of Pop-Tarts. So I grab this box of Pop-Tarts. Just then, I see two glowing yellow balls inside the dumpster. There were two glowing yellow eyes and something slaps me in my face. My face starts bleeding. There was a raccoon oh my God. inside the dumpster <laughs> fighting with me for this box of Pop-Tarts. Wow. And, and so I, I dropped the box of Pop-Tarts. I kicked the raccoon. I grabbed the box of Pop-Tarts. I'm in this enclosed hot dumpster. And I jump out. I grab my Subway sandwiches. I grab these boxes of you know, Pop-Tarts. The, with the, my, my face is bleeding. And I just run to my dorm room and I go to like health services. I get a tetanus shot. And I'm sitting in my dorm room. I don't even have a chair. I'm sitting on that bed. I have these two, you know, really almost, you know, rotten Subway sandwiches. I see these box of pop cards and I stop and think to myself, you know what? I can do this. If that was, if that was rock bottom, yeah. if that was rock bottom, I can do this. There's still so much hope where I can fight to get food. I can fight to get a job. I can fight to build a life. If this is as low as and as hard as it's going to get, and I can survive this, 
I can do anything. Wow. And that was a really big mental shift for me. And every time, like even today, I can't eat Pop-Tarts, right? Because it just <laughs> freaks me out, yeah. right? freaks me out and when i see a raccoon it freaks me out even more because i it gives me like nightmares of me stuck in a <laughs> hot dumpster with a raccoon but the message i want to sh- i want to share is you don't have to go through what i went through mm-hmm. to have that feeling what i'm suggesting is that people have some great stories i had money i just didn't have it right then mm-hmm. i had you know i could get a job but i just have didn't have it right then i was hungry and i and we all get we all get this mental state of like we want everything given to us. We want like instant gratification on social media. We want people to like our posts, like our Instagram posts, like our videos, have our videos go viral. You know, want people to do things. That's all okay. But if we can figure out that hey, how lo- how hard is it ever going to get? And if I can get there and I can hit rock bottom and I can beat it, mm-hmm. then the sky is the limit on what I can do. Wow. And I hopefully that 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 is that story somewhat resonates with you know hopefully you and, and someone else. Yeah. Mo- I, it definitely, I, I definitely love that story because that was actually one of my topics I was going to ask. I heard that you got into a raccoon fight, so I love that you brought it out before I asked. And you know the the process, how you know your father, you know your family, they they basically sold everything to support you for that first year. But then they say you know year two, three, and four, you're on your own. But then when you did hit rock bottom, you know you you kind of found yourself to say you know I can't do this. If I'm able to conquer this, you know fight a raccoon to to live for myself. Well, you know, you didn't have no money to survive. You know, for the reason why I, I was asking about, you know, coming over from India is because I, I'm of, of immigrant descent. You know, both of my parents are immigrants. They came from Vietnam, probably $500 in their pocket. They had to work 18 wheelers. My mom had to work at different places. So that was, you know, hearing that story and then, you know, kind of uh, relating it to my parents' story. You know, growing, you know, they didn't have a house to stay in at the time. It, and it, it just kind of really brings back that, you know, you, you show that you, your spirit really brought out who you were back then. Hey, man, I, I totally agree. And, yeah. you know, that's one. I'll tell you this, right? It's very easy. So you and me and, and the listener was listening right now, we all deal with stress in our lives. Mm-hmm. We all deal with stress, right? We all have problems. And my problems <laughs> are my own, right? Yeah. And I, some are big for me that may not be big for you. Some are big for you that may not be big for me. Of course. Some are more stressful for me. Some are more stressful for you. And the reason I tell that story is, is only because... It, it, I, I tell with my son, right? My son is seven years old, and when he gets a, when he gets, when he falls, when he's riding his bike, and he gets a scratch, right, mm-hmm. or he gets a road rash, I always tell him. I said, I always tell him, hey, Neil, his name is Neil. I said, Neil, remember? And he starts crying. I said, remember the time when you, you know, what would it, what would it, what would it be like when you, when you had to go get that? He had, he had like a little surgery once. I said, do you remember how painful that was? Mm-hmm. And he says, yes. And he's like, I'm like, does your, is your wound right now? falling from a bike hurt as much he says no and then instantly he has a smile on his face right because he compared a current pain a current stress to a situation which he had survived which had so much more pain and so much more stress right Mm -hmm. and so when we all say we had experience uh, what i'm suggesting is that when i i I just have more resilience i can take more pain i can just take more stress Mm -hmm. than the average person because when i'm stressed when i'm hurt when I have pain, when I feel like the world is, you know, beating me down and I feel like I'm backed into a corner. I, I know that I was in a dumpster fighting with a raccoon and, and this is not as stressful as that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it makes me feel just a little better. It makes me feel like just a little bit more hope. And so uh, what I always do is I always tell, 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 you know, I mentor a bunch of CEOs and I always tell the CEO, when you have really joyful moments or really painful moments, talk about them, write about them, think about them because when you get another moment that is not as painful, that is not as stressful, it's very easy to conquer that, mm-hmm. right? And that's when 
It's a very small mental shift. But imagine this. Imagine if there are two people and one person can just take more pain, take more stress, take more heat, take more, uh, you know, take more things thrown at them and the other person just crumbles. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be the first person, right? You want to be able to take more because the longer we stay in the game, the more we win. So can I ask, you know, as an immigrant, when you came over, did your parents put a lot of stress on you? Or is it more like self-will that, you know, I'm going to, you know, work hard on tennis. I'm going to do my best. And then how did you survive throughout, you know, years, your year two, three and four in college? Yeah, great question. So uh, my parents are, are great. They never put any stress on me. They never cared about. I mean, they were great parents. They just cared. You know, I still got the same grades, right? I still I was still a B student. I still got uh-huh. B grades. I had a good time in college. I was a I didn't get in any trouble. But what was always on my mind was the question you just asked, which was, how do I survive next year? Yeah. Right. Um, so my first year out of college, uh, first year in college, I realized that this was uh, a many of many of the millennials listening to your podcast don't even know what this means. But th- that was the first time they were actually wiring our dorm rooms for Internet. Like you could get Internet in the labs, in the buildings, but you didn't have Internet in your dorm rooms. And it was all wired. So you wow. run an Ethernet cable to your, your, your computer. But here's the funny part. This is crazy. And you'll believe me when I tell you this. Each dorm room had the Ethernet plug by the door, but the desks were by the window. Wow. So you needed more than like a two-foot plug to pl- to connect it. So what I did was I went out to um, an electronic store and I bought 500 feet of cable. Just and to connect it. I, just cable. And I yeah. put it in my dorm room and everybody needed cable. So everyone would come to my dorm room to buy cable from me. Wow. So I sold cable cable for a hundred, two hundred, three hundred percent markup. So to pay all my bills for wow. I, I made I made I made more money in cable than anything else to pay all my bills for my sophomore year. That's a real entrepreneur right there. Think about going out and buying cables and there was a supply in college because they didn't you needed that long cord to connect the uh, Ethernet cable to get, you know, the internet. So that was really, really brilliant and smart of you to do that. Well and it's all cash man. I had so <laughs> I had cash, cash. I'd saved up, I'd go to the bank and but my roommate was really mad at me because I'd spent so my entire closet uh-huh. was cable. Yeah. I didn't. I, I couldn't even hang my shirts. <laughs> so where did you put your clothes at? Um, so I, I built a bunk. I built a bunk bed. Uh-huh. And uh, I had a guy build a bunk bed for me, and I just kind of built some chests and drawers. It was my room was just like my room was like a like a shop. You had to come in. <laughs> I'd give you some cable. <laughs> I'd charge you some money. You know, I, yeah. I think I broke a lot of laws doing that. Oh, but man. you know, I, it paid for school. But then. Once I had that, I got I got two. In, I taught I taught tennis during my sophomore year, and I and I I got a job during the summer. I got an internship in the summer, so and then I got a really great signing bonus for my you know full time job. But okay. I really had to survive. But I worked I worked twenty to forty hours a week while going to school. Wow, and that's that's still amazing that you know you're able to that you're able to do all of that in college and think of that. That that was kind of my what I did in high school was. A lot of people, they would like to buy Jordans or Yeezys. And I don't know if you know about the shoe market like that, but yeah. it's a really high demand back in high school for me. So I'll just go out, I'll buy 30 to 40 pairs of sneakers. And then if they were dirty or they were brand new, I'll clean them up, I'll restore them, refurbish them, make them look brand new. And then I'll take them to school. I'll put them in the back of my trunk or I'll put them online on my Instagram or my eBay. And people always come and say, hey, you got some new shoes? I say, yep, go check my uh, eBay and then you can purchase them. If they want it, I'll bring it to school. And sell it to them at the school as well, and that's how I made my money through high school. <laughs> Dude, that's so that's so amazing. I, I remember at the end of the, to me, I just you know I think um, I get excited about the money is not as exciting to me. Mm-hmm. The 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 opportunity is yeah. right. So 
it was more exciting to me that that we created this. I found an idea where I could sell cable. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I realized that in the winters, you know, they when I was going to school in Iowa, they didn't need they didn't need the lawnmowers, right? So I found a truck and I got fifty lawnmowers from my college, loaded on this truck, and sent down to Florida. Um, they we rented out all the fifty lawnmowers in Florida, and then in the summer I would just ship them back. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so that, that's all it was. And so yeah, yeah I, I didn't make a ton of money, uh-huh. but I just like, but it was it was enough to you know I to, I bought a survive. car doing that. I got I bought a I bought a nineteen ninety six Honda Civic just by doing that. Wow, that that's really amazing, wow. and, and how you were able to do that. So for someone who who's trying to set up and close the sale, you know, you're able to go through all your experiences to the opportunities that, you know, with the trucks, but also with the uh, cable cores. How does someone go about to set up and close a sale like you have? So great question. I'll tell you the easiest way. Mm-hmm. The easiest way is you have to do two things. Number one, you have to deliver value in advance. And I'll actually talk to what that means. And number two, you have to work for a result. So everybody wants to get a paycheck for doing work as opposed to getting a paycheck for doing a result. So if I told you, hey, Ricky, um, you, uh, let's say I'm a pickup, uh, let's say I'm a, a juice, uh, I don't like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm a restaurant and you tell me, hey, Sharon, I've been walking by your restaurant and I see you only have uh, customers come in you know, for dinner, not for lunch. What if I could drive customers to come in for lunch? Mm-hmm. And you know what, you told me that, Ricky, I'd be like, that's pretty cool. How would you do that? Now you're delivering value in advance. Essentially, you're telling me, the restaurant owner, that you recognize my problem and you may be able to bring some value to me. Now I ask you, hey, Ricky, that's cool, but I'm not like, I don't know whether you're legit or not. I'm not paying you money to go and try this. And in response, you should tell me, hey, Sean, how about this? I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to do all the, I'm going to do all the Facebook ads. I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to do uh, all the copy. I'm going to do all the offers and I'm going to drive people to come to your restaurant. You don't have to pay me. If you were doing the ads, you would pay the $200 to do the ads anyway. Mm-hmm. So just pay for the ads. I will do all the other work for free to show you that I have the skills to do this. And let me drive people to your restaurant. And if I have driven, say, 10 people to your restaurant over the next, I don't know, five days, mm-hmm. then maybe you can give me a contract to work with you for $500 a month, right? Yeah. Now it gets interesting because now you're telling me that you're going to deliver me, the restaurant owner, a result. Mm-hmm. Results are everything. Results. Like we should only get paid on results. Like that's the reason why everyone is stuck in a quote salary job is because they want, they don't want the risk, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can take more risk than most people. I don't like, I run a company right now. I don't get a salary. Like I, you know, I, I, when, when there's money, I take money. When there's not, I don't take it, but I know that I can create wealth. Yeah. But the funny part is we get paid to get a result. So if, if just like you said, you put up some Jordans, they liked it. You delivered them some vintage Jordans. You got paid. It's you didn't tell. It's not like you went and told somebody, Hey, pay me some money mm-hmm. and I'll go find some Jordans for you. Yeah. So, you know, that's yeah. what that's what work is these days. Everyone is stuck in a job where they get paid regardless of their effort. Mm-hmm. But if you're good at something, you get paid for the result. And man, I'm telling you, people will pay a lot of money for results. So if you came to me, Ricky, and you said, hey, Sharon, I love your Instagram. I'm going to do all this work myself. Like I'm going to follow people. I'm going to like and comment. I'm going to give you ideas on content. I'm going to help you grow your Instagram in the next three weeks. 
You don't have to pay me anything. But if I can get you 2,000 more followers by doing all this work, will you give me $500? That's a great, like I would tell you, you know what, Ricky, you're on. If you can do that for me, I'll, I'll pay you at the end because I pay you for the result, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think if, if, the, if our generation changes the way they think about the world and start thinking about, hey, what results can I offer somebody and mm-hmm. get paid handsomely for it? You start to win because the other thing is this. If I'm a restaurant owner, Ricky, and you give me a result of sending people to my restaurant, you know that I'm going to tell other people about you, right? Because yes, not that course. I paid, like you gave me a result and I'm excited. You exceeded my expectations. Now I'm going to go tell other people, hey, you got to talk to this Ricky Wen guy. He's insane. Mm-hmm. He just showed up and he, people started coming to my restaurant. You need to hire him too. So I, I love what you said about the process that, you know, we, we should get paid off results. And uh, one of the biggest problem with millennials as I can see for myself, based on, you know, people that go into school with, but also that, you know, I run a family nail salon business and, you know, I, I can kind of see, you know, people, they, they want to get paid first, then they do the work. But then, you know, I, you know, I kind of see what, who might, one of my favorite author is Napoleon Hill. And he tells it with his conversation with Andrew Carnegie is, you know, work overtime because once you see, once people see you work overtime and you don't ask for anything, those are the results that will come in the future. But if you don't put in the work, then you can't. You can't ask for the uh, the pay that you want. You're you're so spot on, man. You're you're so spot on. I mean, that's I'm, I'm glad. I mean, Think and Grow Rich is such a great book, right? Yeah. And Napoleon Hill is so good, and, and all those interviews. So I'm glad you're listening to him. It's Thank spot you. on. And I think there is a for some reason, and I, I don't want to give millennials a bad name at all. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think today's millennials are uh, very very creative. Yes, sir. Are very ambitious. Mm-hmm. Are very have big goals. But they get blamed to be this entitled uh, generation. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have been taught or shown the path of how to create wealth. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a problem at all. Like I would, if you, if I got a millennial and they were open to learning, and I was open, and they were open to being mentored by me, like I could show them how to make so much money because I believe that today's millennial is more connected, more savvy, more thoughtful, has more grasp over technology, has more ambition than any other generation. They just don't have the roadmap or the blueprint to create the wealth. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I definitely understand that. So, if if, if a millennial was starting, you know their business today, what would be the first thing you tell them to do? Would it be go find a mentor to show them the roadmap or what would it be? So I will tell you this, right? There's, there's two ways to do this. Uh, Wayne, and I, and if you, I'm going to ask you, I'll answer this question as if, if I were, if it were me, right? If I were me and I was, you know, 22 year old, uh, 22 year old guy out of, you know, today and I was starting a business, what would I do? This is the first thing I would do. And it's expensive. I'll tell you right now, it's expensive. The first thing I would do is I would find a coach. Mm-hmm. I would find a coach because when you have a coach, the coach can keep your mind in the game. The coach can, has been there before so they can give you the tools. You have someone to reach out to so you don't have to figure it out on your own. And you don't need – your early coach can make great, great, great impact on you. So like you can get coaches for $500 a month. You can get coaches for $300 a month. You can get coaches for $5,000 a month or $50,000 a month. Mm-hmm. But – there's a lot of online business coaches that will help you help the millennial grow their business. And if we can find, if I were to do anything differently, I would have just hired my first coach much sooner. That's it. I would not change anything else in my life. I would have just hired my first coach sooner and my trajectory of my life would be completely different right now. Wow. So is, can I ask, is a mentor the same as a coach? Can they relate? 
So I don't think so because a co- uh, normally mentors uh, mm-hmm. are people that you don't pay money to. Okay. People yeah. like so let's you know so you you may say you know because of this relationship and you mm-hmm. had me on the podcast you yes, may yes. say hey Sharon I have four questions for you and I would be happy to share them share answers with you and give you my experience but I'm telling you some experience based stories I'm giving you some ideas yes. and then maybe six months later I check in with you to see how you're doing right mm-hmm. I'm not vested in your growth and your success I'm just being I'm I'm. I'm paying it forward to you, Ricky, because okay. a lot of people have paid it for, given it to me, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a mentor does. Yes, sir. And and it's not, but it's not a paid. There's no, you're not. If you gave me, like, let's say you were starting, let's say you had your nail salon business, and you told me, "Hey, Sean, I'm going to give you five percent of my nail salon business. Here's all my books. Here's my financials. Here's everything. Can you help me grow this?" That's a completely different relationship because now I'm your partner, mm-hmm. right? Now I have. A, a really vested interest in helping you succeed. That's totally good. A mentor, like I have a lot of mentors. I I lean on them for advice. I just get them get them to give me perspective and experience. But then what I do with that is up to me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't care if I took their advice or not. Like if I give you three ideas and you don't implement them, I don't care. Like it's your life, and I was doing the right thing by sharing. But it's your job to you know want to implement or not. But if I was your coach. And you were paying me and I was talking to you weekly and I was asking you, hey, you were supposed to have 40 conversations, sales conversations this week to sell one house. How many have you had so far? And you tell me 23. I'd be like, hang up the phone and go go call 25 more people. Yeah. I The coach will force give you the blueprint mm-hmm. and the accountability and keep you online to get to get to become. And once you get the structure, because what a coach provides is structure, right? And once you provide, once you get that structure, Ricky, oh my gosh, it is sky's the limit right you don't need if you i will never i always have coaches in my life paid coaches i pay coaches a lot of money and it is there i almost uh, i call this outsourcing success it is their job it is the coach's job now Mm -hmm. to feel guilty if i don't get if i don't do a good job right so now a coach is deeply vested in me being successful because i'm paying them to help Mm -hmm. and that's very exciting and that's that relationship cannot be found without with just a random mentor that talks to you one to two times a year. Okay. So last question before we kind of end the show, how would someone 10x their business or life if they were trying to, you know, you said to, to, to get a mentor or coach, how would they, you know, kind of proceed through the process of getting to the, to the point where, you know, they're, they're ready to 10x their life or their business? Yeah. Great question. So, 10x is not for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need you don't need to do that. Uh-huh. Um, we, we had to do it because that's that was a very it was a business goal mm-hmm. for various reasons. If um, but I, if I mean, someone I wanted do, to say again, I said, but if someone wanted to, if that was their path to like, okay, this is what I want to do. How yeah, would someone yeah. proceed? So, so the, the, the first thing I'll, I'll give you a quote: mm-hmm. uh, trans, a 10x is a transformation, right? A transformation is very very big. Transformations don't happen in isolation. And I'll give you the quote, transformations don't happen in isolation. And the number one thing I'm trying to tell you there is nobody, it does not matter who, nobody can 10x on their own. It does not happen. It cannot work. It is super, super hard to do, which is why the first thing you need to do is to find somebody that has been there, either a coach or a mentor that is deeply vested in your success. That's number one. Number two, that's the big goal you get. And then you get, you get first the goal, then you get someone to help you along the goal. The third is you just need to have a plan. And and I, I say this not as a, something to be hokey-wicky, but the plan is needs to be written down and detailed, which breaks down what happens yearly, monthly, and daily. 
Because mm-hmm. when I wake up in the morning, if I thought about $3.2 billion, I should just go back to bed. Like that's yeah. really, that's a big goal. Mm-hmm. But if I thought about how do I have 10 sales conversations today, I can do that. I have confidence around that. Yeah. So breaking down. So the first one is setting the goal. The second one is getting someone to support you with the goal to get there who's been there before. The third one is breaking down the goal into into daily, weekly, monthly, daily, and weekly plans. Wow. And And the last one is this. It's just writing it all down. Okay. Most people think about it, and when you have these big, when you have big aspirations in your head, until they make it down to paper or a spreadsheet or a deck, it's not reality yet. Mm-hmm. As soon as you make it real, you put it down on paper. Now you have the ability to share it. So, Ricky, if you were going to 10x your business and you were stuck somewhere and you had you had your plan written down, you would reach out to me and say, "Hey, Sharon, thank you for spending some time with me. Can I share my 10x plan with you? And can you tell me where I'm, you know, what what holes you see?" That's very different than you just having a conversation with me over coffee and saying, hey, help me 10x my plan, 10x yes. my business, right? Now I have something tangible that I can help you with, that mm. makes sense. Yes, I understand. So well, well, we're coming to the end of the show, but before we leave, we do a takeaway for the audience. What would your advice be through the ups and downs and struggles that you had to go through to be where you are today? So uh, what would be my biggest takeaway? Yeah. Yeah, my biggest takeaway would be to plan everything on paper. And mm. let me tell you what I mean by that. A lot of times, Ricky, you're driving, you're in a train, you're in a car, you're on a plane, you're just thinking about stuff, you're on social media. Our, 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 head, our brains are not just meant to have all these ideas, thoughts, and emotions. The way you think is you do think thoughtfully on paper. So whenever I get stuck, right, whenever I get stuck and I either I'm afraid of something or I have a problem to solve, I just pick up, pick up a notebook and I just start writing. Mm-hmm. I say, oh, this is my problem. What are the five potential solutions? However crazy they might be, I write the solutions. And I'm like, okay, do I like any of those? No. Let me write a few more. Okay, why don't I like this or why don't I like that? And I just, I solve problems on paper. You don't want to, everyone says, let me think about it. No, you think on paper. Thinking on paper is very, very powerful because mm-hmm. you're writing it down. You can see all, see everything that you're struggling with. I tell you the number one thing the younger generation does, Gen X, you know, kind of Gen Z, millennials, even my son growing up, they want to think about everything in their head. Your head is not mm-hmm. built to think on stuff. You'd rather do it on a whiteboard or do it on paper. And once you see stuff, you'll feel a lot better because I'll, because the one thing that happens when you get uh, struck with ups and downs of life is people won't accept this, but they get afraid. They have fear. Yeah. Fear, I'll give you this quote, fear has no place on paper. Fear has no place on paper. If I write out all my fears, I've written them all out. I'm not afraid anymore because they're just facts on paper. Yeah. Now I just need to figure out how to solve them. So if, if the listener that's listening, if you're stuck with anything right now and you're struggling, get it all out of your head so that your head can actually work. Your head can actually think. Your head can actually do what it's magic. And your head, your head should not be storing facts. Get it all out so that you can see how they correlate. And um, you know, when someone says, I want to think about it, you should start thinking on paper. And that is the one thing that I, a lesson that I wish I'd learned early on that mm-hmm. I always like to pass on. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. It was it's definitely a tip that, you know, I could take away from it. And hopefully, you know, mo- my audience could take away from it is, you know, learning how to write stuff out to, to be able to see it. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Sharon, for being here today. And thank you for giving your advice and tips and holding you late. But I really appreciate you taking the time to do this thing, uh, man. Ricky, thank you, and everybody should be very excited for all the work that you do. I know putting on a show is not easy, yes. uh, but the very fact that you get out there, uh, find great guests, uh, come them, come have them come out, ask great questions, 
you do a lot of great work. So thank you for what you do and thank you for what you're bringing to the world. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the Millennium Movement. Leave a like, comment, review, and share with a friend if you love this podcast. Until next time, see you guys soon. I work hard every motherfucking day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work hard, I work hard every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Doing good work that matters. That's what a career at Mantech means. From protecting our satellites in space to protecting our warfighters in the field. And we are passionate about empowering our people to be their best by providing unparalleled job mobility and offering a free bachelor's or master's degree in cyber or cloud computing. The men and women at Mantech take pride in doing the tough work that keeps our country safe. Do you have what it takes to join our team? Learn more at mantech.com careers.